Hey friends, it's Michael Kingswood and it's story time. Uh, episode 81 of the podcast, which I guess that makes me officially a real podcast type person because, uh, was it, uh, I think I saw a stat that some, most podcasts don't make it past episode 7 or something. Uh, well, I guess I'm pulling that out of the water, so I'm officially a real podcaster, even though the listenership is not all that big. That's okay, it doesn't have to be. Things grow with time, and let's be honest... And even if they don't, let's be honest, it's uh, kind of a niche thing I'm doing here. No-name writer reading his stories. Maybe someday when I become a super awesome massive bestseller, the uh, podcast stats will go up too. But I'm not super concerned about it. Good week around the Kingswood abode. The, you know, obviously Easter. Always a good time um, for a lot of reasons. But uh, we went and did the SeaWorld thing and grilled some wings and... Did all that with the kiddos, so that was good. Um, I started up a new writing challenge last week also. Uh, let's see, which is not not as important as Easter in a you know, theological and grand events of the world sort of thing, but in terms of writing, for me, it's you know, more on point for this discussion on this podcast. We, uh, so you guys may probably remember I talked to them in January, uh, uh, really, production-wise, for writing, I've been sucking for the last year and a half or so. Um, a lot of reasons for that. Partly laziness. Partly the whole breakup and legal associations with that. Selling the house and transition stuff and just... And laziness. Man, this, you know, I can make excuses, but really I've been preferring to do other things. When it, when the when it really came down to it, but but not always, right? Uh, when I can go into these anthology workshops, I had to write a story a week for them, and be able to crank them out five, boom, boom, boom. But when I'm more and more realizing when I don't have a deadline, this dependence on some ex something external to me, whether unless there's consequences associated with said deadline, I suck at <laughs> producing stuff. Um, so back in January, I joined Dean Mrs. Smith. Uh, in his three months, three novels in three months challenge, um, not with the with the notion, not with the notion of hey, I'm really gonna get three mo- novels done in three months, but I wanted to finish my damn Space Navy book, Warfare Qualified, and get some accountability from having to report into him each week, and get uh, just kick myself in the teeth to really get going in writing again, really, and. Uh, it was partially successful. I mean, because we ended up doing the whole, you know, I grasped about it here. Uh, we did the whole finally selling the house and move, and that completely obliterated the entire month of February and a good chunk of the month of March just with doing everything associated with that. And didn't get the novel finished, but in spite of all the other stuff going on, I did make a fair amount of but I do still need to finish the damn thing. Uh, and I'm going to continue to work on it. The intent of having it <laughs> done in the next few months so that uh, when I go to the next workshop in Vegas in October, I will have a big, thick, because it's going to be thick, hardcover to show everybody. But um, but I realized I really do like that accountability. And he's got a new challenge thing going, the great challenge. where He's basically like, look, throw some money at me. And write a short story a week for the next year, 52 weeks. 
short stories. In the day, the week, you don't get me a short story, you're out of the challenge. And then the money you, go, you spent goes to pay for the workshops. Um, if you get 26 uh, stories done uh, before you, uh, if you, you punch out, then hey, you get a, uh, the, then you get a little bonus workshop payment. And if you get all 52 done, then you get a lifetime subscription to workshops and never to pay again. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> I was going to get a lifetime thing to his uh, Vegas things since I'm going to be going there so often now that they're close. And uh, I was like, oh, and plus, I like to have an accountability every week. And this time, uh, there's actually, there was some teeth in the last challenge because, you know, I had some skin in the game and, and put some cash down on it. And that cash went to pay for uh, workshops I'll be going to later but uh, up in Vegas. But uh, this way, there's actually a little more bonus incentive for not keeping things going. And I actually have to have to turn something in each week, which is the difference between this last challenge. So I decided to splurge and indulge in a second challenge here that's going to run for this next year. And uh, started last Sunday. This is Sunday the 14th. We kicked it off. And so I got my first story in for the challenge uh, last night. It's Monday the 22nd as I'm recording this. And uh, I got it in at the deadline. It needed to be in at Monday night. I think I sent it to him at like 11.53. Because uh, I, uh, I underestimated how much time I'd be spending on the weekend with uh, family Easter stuff. So I was cranking. <laughs> so I was really... Uh, hunkering down the last couple hours of Sunday last night to uh, get it done. But it's done. And so, hey, that's one down. And I guess uh, 51 more to go. And we'll, we'll continue on until we can't continue on. But what, what, what I know about myself is that I am very good at meeting these weekly short story deadlines because every anthology workshop thing, every time I have an assignment, six to six weeks, six, six stories, I get them in one week each and I get them all, always get them all done. So, Pretty sure I can do this, just a matter of doing it. And that, that will also get me in the zone of not being able to excuse myself from not writing. And I will then also channel that energy into finishing up these other novels too. And then and then I'll have a whole bunch of other stories to send out to magazines or just publish and life will be good. More fodder for this podcast down the road. Um, so that's what's going on there. Feeling pretty good about it. Good first week, good first start. And we'll go from there. Um, but that's not why you're on this podcast. Well, it's probably why you listen to this podcast, but you probably want to hear more of the story. So let's get back to the Pericles conspiracy, shall we? Uh, when last we left, our secondary hero, you know, he is obviously the secondary hero now, Jeremy. Oh, well, he's dead. Got his throat cut after uh, Jackie you know, distracted him quite pleasantly, long enough for, his, for her partner to uh, cut his throat. And so our fearless investigative reporter is out of the picture. Um, I guess we'll see what goes on from there. Um, we'll pick it up with Chapter 10. The Pericles Conspiracy. Written by me. Read by me. As usual, I apologize for that. Chapter 10. We interrupt this program. Joe was halfway through spreading cream cheese on her morning bagel when the news broke. At first, it did not register. There were murders every other day, after all. Then Reynolds' face appeared on the vid screen, and she dropped the knife. 
Moving quickly, she tuned up the volume control and reversed to the beginning of the report. Tragic news this morning, as a well-respected member of the news media was found murdered. The body of 31-year-old Jeremy Reynolds, a highly respected investigative reporter for Star News, was discovered in the West Quito apartment of known narcotics dealer and gang leader Henry Friedheim, also found dead at the scene. Police found weapons and residue from a number of narcotic compounds as well. Although the police have not released an official report as of yet, sources close to the investigation tell us they believe Mr. Reynolds was involved in a narcotics deal gone bad. Star News has not responded to requests for comment. We will follow this story closely and bring you more as information comes in. And now, a look at the weather for the next. Joe turned the broadcast off, a chill traveling down her spine. For a long moment, she just looked at the blank display screen. Then, her breakfast forgotten, she strode briskly to her door. Stephen announced Joe's presence, and she waited for a couple minutes before Harold told him to admit her. She walked into Harold's office to find him sitting behind his desk, reviewing a document on his desk display. He looked up as she came in. Morning, Joe. What can I do for you? Did you see the news this morning? He shook his head. I had an early meeting. Why? What's up? Jeremy Reynolds is dead. He looked confused for a moment and mouthed Reynolds' name. Then a light came on in his eyes and he nodded. The reporter who talked to you, right? Damn, he was a young guy, didn't you say? Joe nodded. 31. He was found dead here in Quito in some drug dealer's apartment. Really? What do you think he was doing there? No idea. Well, that's too bad. Hope he didn't have any kids. With that, Harold went back to reading over his document. That's it? With a sigh of consternation, Harold looked up again. What do you mean, that's it? What do you want me to do? Break down and cry over the guy? I didn't know him from Adam, but he was making some trouble for us. So yeah, I'm sorry he's dead, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. You don't think it's weird that he dropped dead here in Quito just a few weeks after he approached me? After we discovered that Malcolm's still alive and apparently on the prowl here also? Star News is based in New York, so what was he doing here? From the sound of it, I'd say he was investigating the drug trade and got caught in some place he shouldn't have been. That's what the news reporter surmised as well. Probably because that's what happened. Harold's eyes narrowed as he looked at her, then he groaned. Oh, Jesus. You're not going to go all conspiracy theory on me, are you, Joe? Joe looked askance at him and shook her head. Of course not. It just seemed odd, that's all. Well, I wouldn't dwell on it if I were you. I love you, Joe, but you're not the center of the universe. I'm sure whatever Reynolds was doing had nothing whatsoever to do with your little adventure up there. Joe shrugged and walked out. Regardless of what Harold said, she was not so sure. Joe could not stay cooped up in her office with her mind racing, so she left at lunchtime. She spent the afternoon walking in the Parque de Panecillo. As sunset approached, she settled down on a bench and watched as Sol slowly drop behind the towering mountains to Quito's west. As it always did, the orange-pink of the sunset juxtaposed with the shadows cast by the mountains touched something within her. It made her feel small, but also somehow in tune with the natural cycle of things. She often came here to think, when she was confused or troubled. The natural surroundings and breathtaking views helped her get to the bottom of her troubles, normally. But not on this night. The news story about Reynolds' death kept intruding on her thoughts. It was difficult to believe the story that he was in Quito investigating the drug trade. For one thing, why Quito? Important as the city was, it wasn't a great hub of drug manufacturing and trafficking. Just a few hundred kilometers away were a dozen better places to go for that sort of thing than Quito. But far beyond that, the thing that caused her doubt 
with what she had seen in his eyes that night in La Chupacabra. She only met him that once, but he had made an impression. A smart, driven, determined young man who was not going to be put off from reaching his goal just because Josephine Ishikawa put a roadblock in his way. So why would he abandon the Pericles story and shift gears so quickly? Even if all the other members of her crew had held their silence, and there were a couple that Joe was not so sure about in that sense, she felt sure he would continue to search for some way to break the story open. Try though she might to come up with another answer, Joe kept coming around to thinking that Jeremy's death had something to do with Malcolm and the crowd he ran with these days. Which is why she was not surprised at all when she stood, turned around, and saw Malcolm standing there, watching her. Hello, Joe. Joe looked at him, standing there so calmly, and irritation flared up within her. Damn it, Malcolm, can't you take a hint? I don't want to see or have anything to do with you. I know. But events have left me no choice but to ask for your help again. What events are those? Malcolm looked down at the ground for a moment. I met with a friend of yours last night. Jeremy Reynolds. I knew it. What did you do to him? He looked back at her, a flash of anger in his eyes. I didn't do anything. You're the one who got him killed. What are you talking about? Malcolm took a step closer and Joe found herself tensing her muscles to fight off an attack before she realized what she was doing. Foolishness. Malcolm would never harm her. At least, she didn't think he would. You told the NSA. I came by your condo. She opened her mouth to retort and he continued, Don't try to deny it. We both know it's true. Did you also tell them about relatives asking you questions? She nodded. Of course. Standard security protocol, you know that. But that doesn't mean you warned Carl, back on the bridge when you and he first discovered the alien ship, that the NSA might make all of us disappear if we screwed up the first contact protocols. Remember? Well, I said we'd get in trouble if we let word spread too far about them. Malcolm didn't reply. He just looked at her with his direct gaze, and slowly, Joe got a sinking feeling in her chest. Could it be true? No. Rumors about inconvenient people disappearing were just that. No matter that she had used them to remind Carl about security requirements. And yet... And yet, Jeremy was dead, and she had told them about him. Do you have proof, Malcolm? Of course not. There's never proof. But last night, I met with him and showed him a copy of Allison's recording. You did what? Malcolm gave her a long-suffering look, and after a moment, Joe's ire lost some of his fury. Did she really expect him to do anything else after we'd already done? Malcolm continued. We were supposed to meet again tonight, and I planned to show him the other evidence I found, the proof of the things I told you about before. He turned to the side, staring at the Virgen del Panecillo, the last remnants of sunset coloring the statue in beautiful pinkish hues. I'd hoped he would write the story, blow the thing wide open, and then they'd be forced to admit the truth and do the right thing. But now, he shook his head. Joe did not really know how to respond. His words triggered feelings of guilt within her, despite her telling herself that what happened was not truly her fault. Malcolm saved her from having to say anything by turning back to her and speaking first. Come with me tonight. I'll show you what I meant for him to see, and you can decide what you wish to do with it in honor of his memory. Joe shook her head. No, whatever it is you're into, I don't want to be involved. Malcolm smirked. You're involved already, whether you like it or not. They're following you, you know. Your house is bugged. I know that. I signed the consent forms and they gave me a list of the bugs they installed. I've got nothing to hide. Malcolm chuckled, his eyes flashing in amusement. Ah, oh, Joe, how trusting you are. That list is far from complete. Joe crossed her arms over her chest, annoyance growing within her again. If they're following me, how come they haven't shown up to arrest you? If they catch me, Joe, they won't arrest me any more than they arrested Reynolds. 
They don't follow you all the time. They have little leads to follow, and they're not sure about you yet. But from time to time, if you look carefully, you might see one of them. Guess I won't have to worry about being mugged, then. Malcolm looked incredulously at her for a moment, then burst out laughing. Joe had forgotten how vibrant, how full of life he sounded when he laughed. Despite herself, she found the corners of her mouth turning upward into a grin as some of his mirth carried over onto her. His laughter fading, Malcolm returned her smile and asked again, Will you come with me, Joe? I promise, if you're not convinced after what I have to show you, you'll never see me again. All at once, Joe came to a decision. Part of her was sure she would regret it, but a deeper part, the intuitive part of her mind that she had long ago learned to trust to guide her in making difficult command decisions, told her she would regret it more if she did not. Joe nodded, and Malcolm's smile widened. Hi, right, guys, I gotta apologize, because uh, I started recording this a week ago, actually. Then I left on my trip that I always take uh, to Philadelphia for business, and I brought the mic along with me. I figured I would finish recording there and get it up uh, later in the week. And holy smokes, yeah, last time I went to Philadelphia, there was a lot of noise outside my window. Same time, same thing here. Um, and I'm still, even though I've been doing this for a while, I'm still only just now really, in fact, since I got back from this trip, only just now really figured out how the noise reduction features and audacity work. Because uh, I've re-recorded the reading of these next chapter or two here um, like four different times because the damn so much background noise and static and it's coming from the freaking fan in the computer which turns on every time I start recording more than a few minutes and then it makes the the background recording you know all you know a lot of background noise it's very annoying um, which is fine for just the podcast, but you know, as we talked about, I intend going forward to use all these various podcast recordings uh, to, you know, take them and then clean them up a little bit and then use them for the audiobooks so that, it, you know, I don't have to redouble efforts. So I really wanted to get them as noise-free as I could, but it just wasn't working. Uh, well, and then I was, <laughs> last week's story from my, uh, uh, 52 stories, one story a week challenge. Um, ended up taking a lot, being a lot longer and taking a lot more time than I thought it would. Ended up being, uh, by Saturday, I had, you know, 5,000 words written for it. And it's like, oh, I'm just about done, I guess. And Sunday, it turned into a 9,000 word day and the whole story topped out at 14,000 words. I was like, holy smokes, that took up my whole freaking weekend. No, I mean, that was Sunday, not Saturday. Um, so consequently, I didn't, get any re-recording done and I was like damn son of a so here's been almost two weeks now since I put out a podcast when I'm supposed to do them every week so I'm just doing the one chapter in this one just get it done and get it out later this week I'll do another episode with another chapter or two um because I think I've got the noise reduction features figured out so it works now I think um and we'll get back on track Again, sorry for the, you know, seven or eight of you. Actually, it's like 20 who routinely download immediately after uh, posting these days. At least the audio podcast, video podcast is. <laughs> um, 
yeah, a fair number of people watch it uh, pretty closely too. But still, uh, the numbers are slightly go slowly going up, which is nice. But uh, when I first started this, it was like crickets. Now it's starting to get better. Anyway, uh, so for those of you who download these things and uh, like listening to them, uh, sorry for the delay. Uh, no excuse. Well, but there were reasons, which I, I just spelled out. Um, right, so I think I'll call it quits here. You know what to do. Uh, like, subscribe, share with all your pals. Come buy the book. Come become a member of the website. Or, you know, just show up next week and we'll continue on. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do.